Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Follow along with me and let's hear the word of the Lord. In Matthew 14, 21, the Bible says about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Now listen, here's the story. Catch this like a movie. See it in your mind. Get visual on this. In verse 24, he says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water what was Jesus doing when the disciples saw him walking on the water they were terrified in their fear they cried out it's a ghost but Jesus spoke to them at once don't be afraid he said take courage I am here then Peter called to him Lord if it's really you tell me to come to you walking on the water yes come Jesus said, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. What's Peter doing? Verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified. Now this, he is Peter, not Jesus. He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Water Walking Faith. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word that is alive. And I ask you now, God, to give us ears to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my mouth and my mind to say the things that will be sound doctrine that would honor you. God, I pray that you would do your work your way. Teach us now from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Water walking faith. I am going to do something today that is outside my norm. There are two basic hermeneutics that are developed for teaching purposes. One is called an an Alexandrian... an Alexandrian hermeneutic, and the other is called an Augustinian hermeneutic. Okay, it comes from Alexander, and it comes from uh, Augustine. And the Augustinian hermeneutic is what I normally teach from. What does that mean? I read the Bible, take a couple of verses, and teach verse by verse, phrase by phrase, line by line, precept by precept. That is the safest type of teaching to follow. And it's the safest type of teaching to do. Stay inside the text. It is not what many preachers do today. Many preachers today use an Alexandrian hermeneutic, which is to take the Bible, 
and craft a story around it that is relevant to the issues of the day. That's a dangerous hermeneutic. We're going we're gonna to step into this depth of danger today. It's not unheard of and it's not wrong. Jesus taught with an Alexandrian hermeneutic many times. He'd quote a scripture and make a relevant point out of it. So today, instead of going back inside these verses, as would be our normal passage, start back with the first verse that I read and work through them. That's why it's a longer passage today, because I'm not going to work through these verse by verse, phrase by phrase. I am going to look at this real-life historical account as an analogy today. Say analogy. And we're going to look at, this is a real-life historical account. Maybe one day I'll preach it verse by verse. Today, I want to build a story around it. Say story. Y'all know I love movies. Y'all know I, I love that TV channel, whatever it is, TBS, TNT, whichever one it is, that plays movies for guys who like movies. Y'all know I love my boy Gerard Butler, Russell Crowe, action, King Leonidas, sword, and just con I love. So I almost always see uh, Gerard Butler or um, what's that other boy's name? Uh, Russell Crowe in, in my my. Bible movies that I play in my head when, when I sit and I try to think because the Bible says you should lay on your bed and think about God think about his word so today we're not going to lay on our bed some of y'all might sleep I'll scream if you do uh, but we're going to look at this real life historical account as as an analogy uh, because I see some interesting analogies in this story and I want to talk to you basically this morning about living life on a new level some of y'all have been saved for a long time. Some of you have been saved for a short time. Some of you aren't saved yet. But everybody in this room and on this planet is designed by God to live life on a new level. The scripture says that it's his purpose to transition us from one level of glory to the next level of glory. Don't get stuck where you are, Christian. Don't get, if, if you're saved, keep moving. Keep growing in Christ. If you're not saved, move toward God and get saved. But some people would call the, the type of life I'm going to talk to you about this morning the spirit-filled life. Lots of books have been written about spirit-filled living. Lots of books have been written uh, about subjects like that, the die-to-self life. But it's the kind of life the Bible says we should be living. I'm going to build this story. We're going to see it right out of Scripture. But I need you to participate. You can be an active listener, or you can just sit there till it's over. That's the difference between people who say, oh, I really got a lot out of today's message. Well, I didn't really like it too much. It's just more talking to me. No, it's not what I say that's going to change whether or not you, you get something from God from the message today. It's how you listen. I'm going to say the same thing. Everybody's going to hear the same words. Some people are going to receive and some aren't. I want you to receive. I want you to be an active listener this morning. Inside our story, there is a boat. Say boat. The boat is going to represent something for us today in our visualization. The boat is going to represent the average church crowd. That's this. Y'all got it? This is the boat. Can be the boat. Doesn't have to be the boat. It's the boat for some people, but it's not the boat for everybody. We'll see where you fit into this story because every one of these stories, whenever I teach from an Alexandrian hermeneutic, they're always designed for you to find you. Say me. You find you inside today's teaching. So the boat is going to represent the average church crowd. They're just floating along, doing their thing. They don't want to rock the boat, and they don't want anybody else to rock the boat. They're resistant to change. They, 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 they are scared of too much movement. They're just content to be in the boat. 
They're, they're happy with, with their little boat spot. They got their little boat seat. They sit around their little boat friends, and they're, they're, that's, that's who is in the boat. They're surrounded by other boat folk who are just as content as they are, listen, to drift along and do almost or exactly nothing with the rest of the people who are doing either almost or exactly nothing. Peter is a chief player in today's story. Peter is going to represent that dare-to-be-different dude. Peter is going to represent that spirit-filled Christian person, man or woman. He's going to represent the person that you ought to want to be. Okay, so think about this as we get through it. Peter's going to represent the sold-out child of God, the one uh, who wants to be where Jesus is no matter the cost. Peter is going to represent uh, that type of believer. Now, here's the thing. If you're saved at all, for real, now I'm not talking about being a church member. I'm not talking about sitting in a boat of religion. I'm talking about being sure enough saved. If you are saved for real, when you first got saved, you made a dedication. Man, it's good to see you in church today, brother. You made that dedication last week to follow God, to give your heart to God, and you're right back here this week following God, chasing God. Y'all put y'all's hands together for people who get saved and live it. Amen. So, the, but when that dedication you made last week, everybody in here that calls themselves saved, they, they received Christ just that same way. And when we all did that, we all promised God, I'm going to be in it to win it. I'm going to serve you for real, Lord. No more games, no more playing. I'm going to be saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled. I'm going to be a scripture-quoting, Bible-toting, demon-chasing, soul-winning, sold-out, fired-up child of God. And then we sat back down in the boat. We're going to get to it. But Peter's going to represent the kind of believer that we're all supposed to be. And I want you to find yourself in this message today. Because most of the people in this room are either in the boat or on the water. And I want you to know before I even get into much of the story, God is looking for water walkers. I wonder if you'd be willing to be a water walker or if you're just happy drifting along. God's calling for some water walkers. Uh, so many people get this story wrong. Um, it's just like doubting, doubting Thomas. So many people get that story wrong. They bash Thomas over the head. He didn't have it. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Tom. Thomas said, unless I see the nail prints in his hand and the holes in his feet, I won't believe it was him. Thomas, if you read that, in the original language, if you look at that in all of its grammatical tense, you will find out Thomas was cut in his heart that he missed one church service and the Lord showed up. He had been with them every time before. He wasn't there the one time Jesus showed up in resurrected form. And he was more, it wasn't in, I don't believe that he's resurrected from the dead. It's like, oh man, I can't even believe that, that I missed this, man. I, and as soon, so people, we hung that name. Even lost people know Doubting Thomas. They know that phrase. But the reality is if you familiarize yourself with this great apostle and the great story in the gospel, you'll find out he made one of the greatest declarations in all recorded literature of who Jesus is. So he wasn't doubting. That should not have been the final story for Thomas, Doubting Thomas. No, great declaring Thomas should be the story for him. And so many people get this story wrong about another great apostle, Peter. Now the scripture says we have these stories for our examples. These are not myths and fables and fairy tales. These are real life events that happen, but the Bible says they're for our examples so that we can learn more about God 
and grow in his way. And people mess this up because people talk about, oh, man, Peter sunk. Peter didn't have enough faith to walk on the water with you. Peter failed, and the Lord had to rescue him out. Let, let me just give you a, a glimpse into where we're heading. The rest of those jokers never even got off their seat. How many people do you see in the Bible walking on water? Ah, okay, so let's don't, let's don't be, let, let, haters will always hate. Haterade is free, and they give it away by the gallon. And somebody's always pouring it, somebody's always drinking it. Don't hate on my guy Peter, uh, because this guy's representing much of what we want to be. Oh, but Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. Listen. He said that to the one dude that jumped out. What do you think he thought about the faith of the mother cats? <laughs> Professional fishermen on the lake in their hometown that they fished in every day, freaking out in a storm. Hey, George Clooney wasn't having it. Y'all remember that storm with George Clooney? I ought to put George Clooney in my top three. He did that thing in that movie, Perfect Storm. He drove right into the mouth of it. These, these professional, and that was an ocean. Let me just give, give you a hint. Now, I may, maybe take the Great Lakes out of the equation, but the lake they were on, Genesaret, was not huge. These guys are freaking out on a lake storm. I'd rather be in a lake storm than an ocean storm. Anybody understand what I'm saying? But anyway, so let's don't hate on Peter. Let's get into the story. I'm going to give you five reasons why we should get out of the boat. What's the boat again? Boat is average church going. Boat is religion. It is not being fired up for Jesus. It's showing up without being fired up, okay? A lot of times I'll tell you if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. I want to tell you, it's a lot of wet wood in churches. And I'm going to give you five reasons why you should get out of the boat and get fired up. Number one, it's dull in the boat. Say dull. Just floating along, nothing really happening. I want to tell you this for sure, religion is boring. Church if all you have when you pull onto this property and sit in these purple chairs, if all you have is a sense of religious duty without a real connection to God and His Son Jesus Christ through the active living Holy Spirit, if all you have is just religious activity and church life, you will be miserable. Because without Christ, all church can do for you is clutter your calendar, busy your schedule, and get you a seat on the boat. That, that's what it, so number one reason to leave, what's the number one reason to leave, somebody? It's dull on the boat. Uh, see here, but churches, ch that churches understand it's dull on the boat. That's why so many churches try so hard to entertain. That's why so many churches try so hard to craft programs instead of preach truth. That's, that, that's, that's, that's why churches want more activity, more programs to foster the mindset, keep us busy. So we, we'll think we've got something going on. I Man, I love every church that's preaching the truth, just like the Apostle Paul said. Man, if they preach Jesus, I rejoice. I think it's awesome that some churches get water bottles with their church label on it, go to rich soccer mom neighborhoods and pass out water bottles with their church name on it to people who have coolers full of water and Gatorade and Powerade already there, and they take the water bottle from the church, and the church puts out a public service announcement, has Channel 12 News there, video on them saying, look at this church doing something in the community. I love that, though, because they're out there doing something in the community. Uh, but listen, uh, that's cool. That's awesome. 
I see a little self-promotion in it. Uh, you really, you really want to see something going on? Show up here on a Saturday morning and see 1,000 people get fed from 10 to 12 o'clock at our food and clothing ministry every week right out of this building. But people want busy uh, over ministry. Churches have spent the last 60 years, uh, in, instead of teaching the Word of God, they've taught children games in children's church. So now churches have had to build gymnasiums because people who grew up in churches playing games uh, want to be adults who play games. I'm not mad at church. I take a gym. I'll tell you what. You want to give us $900,000 to build a gym? Write the check. If it clears, we'll build a gym. Uh, short of that, we'll keep spending money to all these missionaries around the world and we'll keep changing this community. But many ways churches have put entertainment at the forefront instead of thus saith the Lord. Man, too many churches have valued entertainment over the word of God. I want to remind you this morning, it, it, it's, it's not more activity we need, it's more anointing. Uh, we don't mean, need more programs, we need more power. We don't need people to organize our Saturdays and Sundays, we need some real safe folk to agonize over sin. Uh, this is not popular. This don't fill buildings. This, this, I'm so thankful that God didn't call me to sell religion or promote church attendance. God called me to read the scripture and cause it to make sense under that Ezra anointing that he's placed on my life. But we don't need more entertainment to keep us happy. We need more, we, we need more encouragement to keep us holy. See, this, this is, I, I've told my kids, I've told the staff, if we wanted to fill every seat, Hey, we were, I was preaching three services on Sunday morning uh, when we were in Orange Park, and it, it was a lot going on. But I, I tell you this, I've come to the place in my life where I realize it's not how many you can count, it's how many you can count on. You need to be the one that can be counted on by God, not just counted by some usher in a church on Sunday morning. But I, I told my kids, I told the staff, if we really just wanted to fill up every seat, have to go to two, three, four, eight services on the weekend. All I'd have to do is quit preaching the Bible and start preaching about three ways to find true happiness in your day-to-day -day adventure. Five keys to financial prosperity. Six ways to connect with your children so your children will be your best friend. Hey, there's, uh, the, the, it's out there. The pattern is out there. It's proven. All I'd have to do is, hey, I'm already country enough. I'm more southern than I'm country. Let's clear that up. But either way, all I have to do is, is just egg on my accent like, like there's a guy in Houston. Friends, God loves you, and he's so proud of you. And we know that you're shacking up, but we don't care. We, we, know, we know that you're gay and homosexual, but we don't care. We know that you're still drinking 23 beers a day, but I'm so proud you're not drinking a whole case. People flock. People fall in. Uh, listen, I am not upset with churches that, that grow numerically. I believe God said, uh, go into the highways, hedges, compel them to come in that his house can be full. But what are you coming in for? Are you coming in because you were on fire for Jesus Christ and you just want a little extra wind in your sails and some gas poured on your already burning wood? Or are you just coming in to check off, I went to church this week? This is not that kind of party. This is the kind of party. Listen, this is why, and, and I'm telling y'all, 
if you come in and you want uh, our praise and worship team to sing you happy and you want me to preach you happy, you are dead from the roots, twice dead, plucked up, but you got no life in you. Here's what real church ought to be, and I'm praying that we get there. Real church ought to be filled up with real Christians who've lived a real Christian life for the Lord all week long, been in their prayer closet, been singing songs to Christ all week long, been worshiping to God all week long, been sharing their faith all week long, wrote their tithe check out already before they got to church because they were excited to have some money to give to a God who gave them everything. And when they come in and the music happens because they've been percolating all week long, because they've been praising all week long anyhow, because they brought their praise with them. It doesn't matter if their favorite song is being sung or they don't even know the song. Soon as we say go, they just go. And it's just like water that's been bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. You put a little more heat to it, it just boils over. That's what praise is. Let me tell you what praise isn't. Praise isn't 14% of the church singing and other people doing this. That's not what it is. But, see, that, that's what goes on in the boat. Why? Because what? It's dull in the boat. If that's all church is to you, it's just religion, just a place to come sit and you're part of the boat, then you're, not going, you're, going, to all, you're going to be one of those people thinking, ain't nobody really that happy. They ain't truly there. All oh, that, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. They, they, no, I'm going to tell you something. Some people feel that down to their feet, and you need to get to that spot in your own life where you do too. Oh, man, it's, it, it, it's dull in the boat. Uh, I, I, I hope that somebody's tired of living a dull, meaningless life. I hope that somebody is tired of the same old, same old, no power, no move of God, no fresh touch of God. I, I've, I've told you all so many times you ought to crawl up in the Father's lap and just let him hold you and breathe his word into your spirit. And so some of you all, I may as well be speaking in... in, uh, in any of that. Yeah, Arabic. You're just like, you need to get to the place, but you can't be in the boat. You got to get out of that dull boat. Number two reason, it's guilt ridden in the boat. Say guilt. Oh, church is guilt ridden. That's why so many people badmouth each other because they're walking around full of guilt. That's why so many people look down their pious ecclesiastical nose at others as if they sin, no sin had they done, acting like they're better than other people because boat living is guilt ridden. The boat is full of guilt-ridden people. Why? Because they're disappointed in their own lives, so they try to bring each other down. I want to tell you something. Although uh, the, the crab mentality might be specific uh, to some cultures more than others, every culture crab pots. Every It's human nature. is sick and twisted, and, and it's ineffective. Listen, if you see somebody else rising up to the top, pulling them back down to your level, don't raise you up no higher. Hating on somebody's success don't help you get out of your mess, but this is just what people do. Why? Because they're fully, they're disappointed in their life and they're guilty at where they are. That's 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 the type of people who say, "Oh, look at her. That praise, that fake praise. Oh, look at him. Oh, he's going to lead another ministry now because he's so special." Listen, I got two words for you, boat folk. That's who you are. You're part of that awful, horrible, twisted, guilty crowd of boat folk. Boat folk, guilty, guilt-ridden boat folk sitting back saying, oh, I'm just as good as they are. 
I could have done that if I'd have wanted to. Well, yeah, sure you could have, but you'd have had to get rid of some of that foolishness. You, you'd have had to let go of some of that crazy, uh, but guilty boat folk. They just sit back. Well, I'm not going to step up and be a leader but because of my, my one little, you know, personal issue that I'm dealing with right now. That's called sin. Um, but I'm just as good as they are. I know just as much about the Bible as they do. I've done just as much in ministry as they have. These are the words of guilt-ridden boat folk. Uh, they, so, so, so what do boat folk do? What do guilt-ridden boat folk do? Listen, they find other boat folk who are just like them. And here's what they do. They get a row of like-minded people. Because the scripture already declared two can't walk together except they be agreed. I want to tell you this. Folk don't sit in the boat for too long until they find people they agree with. Hey, it don't matter where you go in life. Uh, you, you end up sitting in a section that you feel like is, is carved out for you. And people find that section. That's, that's why you get these sections in the boat. You got the gossiper section. They got a whole row right there on the boat for them. You know why they have a gossiper section? You blessed my heart the other day, number one, because you, you, you hung out with me for three and a half hours and, and, and ran late on your workout, so I always love that. Uh, uh, you know, because you don't have to just be working out. You should have ate them cinnamon rolls if, uh, I try, that we tried to give you the other day. But you blessed me because when I was talking about, I, I was sharing with Deacon Cedric, uh, who, who's been a friend of mine for over a decade, our kids grew up together, uh, and I was just pouring my heart out to him, and he took three and a half hours out of his day to sit there and listen to me pour my heart out on some personal things. And he was like, Pastor, I've never, even, I've never heard that. Isn't that what you told me? He said it was blowing his wig away. I'm thinking, that's not a wig. But I said, and he said, I never even heard that. And, and I said, well, that's a testament to your Christianity. He said, well, you know, me and Sonia, we don't, we don't get around all that gossip, and we don't, we don't partake in that, and, and, and people come. And he told me, some people tried to tell us stuff through the years, and we just let them know, uh, hey, uh, and, and, you know, what, what you could tell them now. We don't sit on the gossip section at Abundant Life. That ain't our row. We, we got a row, but it ain't the dull, boring, guilt-ridden row with the gossipers. But this is, this is what the dull, boring, guilt-ridden people do. Uh, not just the gossipers. Listen, the drinkers. And listen, remember, get this from me. I don't value one sin higher than the other. I don't think a homosexual is worse than a drinker. I don't think, uh, uh, than a drunk. I don't think a drunk is worse than, than a smoker. I don't think a smoker is worse than uh, a junkie. I don't think a junkie is worse than a fat preacher who overeats. You'll never hear none of them talking about that. Bashing homosexual cigarettes and alcohol because they don't feel like they're going to ever mess with that. Okay? Listen, it's all sin. Amen? So, so, so don't get caught up. I'm just trying to show you a couple of different rows. There's more rows than this. But, but you do, every church got the drinker row. You know, they, they, that, that's the one who always have mints in their mouth. You're like, well, I have mints in my mouth, Pastor, and I don't drink. Well, pick up a toothbrush and some floss. You'll be okay. Get you a, get you a water pick and, and, you know, some mouthwash. But the drinker row, you know why they sit on the row with all the other drunks? Because they feel guilty. And them other drunks, don't. they they, they be like, well, I ain't no worse. Lulabelle drink me under the table. 
So they find the road that they can sit on. That's just not them. You got, you got the smoker road, the dipping road. The, you, you got the overeating road. You, you got the lion spirit road. This is a big boat. But it's full of dullness, and it's full of people that are guilt-ridden, and they're looking for somebody that will make them feel less guilty. I'm going to tell you why. Because they all know, bottom line, they don't have an active, deep, intimate, ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not going out sharing their faith. They are not soul winners. Man, when, 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 when uh, my sister and I first got saved, uh, we were going to a church, and every week, soul winning visitation, every week people were bringing people. I led this person to Christ on the job. Every, talking about soul winning. So you never even hear that phrase anymore. You don't hear preachers talk about soul winning. You know why? Because people who don't win souls are guilty folks sitting in the boat. God be my witness. First year we started this church, I went, uh, flew out to California to what at that time was supposedly the greatest uh, pastor, mentor on the planet. Uh, I'm not mad at Rick Warren. Uh, he got a lot of money, though. Uh, purpose-driven church, purpose-driven youth, purpose-driven life, purpose-driven janitors, purpose-driven toilet cleaning, uh, all that. I went out there to the pastor's conference, and I knew. That's a whole week long. It's all day long and all night sessions. Great facility, uh, fantastic people, uh, genius marketing, bad theology. Uh, he told us on day one, and I knew, nah, this ain't going to be for me, but I'm going to stick it out because the church paid for it and flew me out here. Uh, he said the first day, he said, Here, here's, here's what you guys need to do. I'm going to give you a couple things. We'll, we'll build on them around the week, but there, I'll, I'll get it out of the way and give you the simple things. Don't ever preach for more than 25 minutes. I'm like, I can't even get Mike and Carrie to the front of the church in less than 25 minutes. What are we talking about? He said, no, people are busy, and their time is valuable, and you don't want to eat that up. You're trying to tell me you'll go sit in a movie theater for a two-hour movie? But if I go over an hour in church, you clock-checking me? What? You, you, you're trying to say you, you will sit through a three-hour football game, but if Minister Jeff wants to sing an extra song on Sunday morning, you, 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 you're just freaking out? When this, you know, when's this 18-minute praise service going to be over? Because we're usually done by now. I thought, okay, well, that's not going to work. My every sermon is an hour and six minutes, so let's deal with that. So I already failed your class. And then he said, don't ever preach on sin because people beat themselves up hard enough. They don't need to come and, and, and have you use the Bible to beat them up. And I'm thinking, well, you can't beat nobody up with a Bible. That's against the law. You read the Bible. Listen. Mama tell, mom, everybody's mama the new, new right thinking say the same thing. You throw a rock into a pack of dogs and one to holler the one you hit. I'm not, I'm not here to be, oh, pastor, you stepping on my toes today. I had lead church all felt beat up. I wasn't stepping on your toes. The word of God confronted your situation. And sometimes you say amen and sometimes you just say ouch. He said, never have an altar call. Because you embarrass people that don't want to come to the front. You never want, and I'm thinking, so basically, here, here's what you're teaching us. We paid all this money to hear you say, trash God and the Bible and cater to people who aren't in love with God. 
I'm going to tell you something. We're only catering to an audience of one at Abundant Life. His name is God Almighty, the Most High, only true and living God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but the guilt, uh, and he knew, and he built, built a huge church, and everybody does that, that style of church. I guarantee you this. We get us a little fog machine. We dim the lights down for work, praise and worship. We rock this thing out heavy. We, we, we put it together. Um, you know, we, whatever, whatever your crowd is. You, you got a bunch of white people, go ahead and just turn. I mean, you, 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 got, a, you got a bunch of people of color, put some P-Funk in there. Whatever you got to do. Uh, and, and that's what, fo- this God is my witness. The week I was there, at that, uh, they just had the Grammys. Carlos Santana, self-professed devil worshiper, great guitar player, self-professed devil worshiper, had just won the Grammy for his, his uh, song, Smooth. Anybody remember Carlos Santana? Smooth, he just won the Grammy. So you know what they did? Oh, the people would love this. Carlos lives in, in the pastor's neighborhood, you know, because it, that's where, you know, how that went. And so he had Carlos Santana open his praise and worship service on Sunday morning. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm in the wrong spot. This ain't holiness. There's no standard here. There's no God in this. I'm not, I'm not having this. I ain't mad at Carlos Santana. But if, if I preached for 25 minutes, told everybody God loves you and he's proud of you for only whoremongering six days a week, the, the church would grow. But I'm more interested in you growing as a Christian than I am of putting more people in the seats next to you. It's guilt ridden in the boat. Listen, if you want to know if you're part of the guilt-ridden crowd, if you want to know, if, if you're a boat folk, if you really want to know how close you are to the Lord, here's all you have to do. Look at the people you hang around. Because, hey, it's hard to smell your own garbage. I, I tell you this, all y'all that, that, that think your dog doesn't smell and your dog doesn't shed and, and, and your dog is not annoying and, oh, no, I bathe my dog every week, you can't even smell. Invite somebody in your house that don't have a dog. I'll tell you what room that dog lives in. Uh, it's hard to smell your own stuff. Listen, men, ladies, if you can smell your own cologne, you got on too much. That's just, I mean, once you smell your own stuff, it's way out of whack. But it's hard to smell your own stuff. You can't see the forest for the trees. It's hard to always know where you are because we have so many blind spots as human beings. That's just basic psychology. So if you really want to know what your life looks like, you want to see a picture of your life, look at the three to five people you hang around the most. Because not only is that your future, that's your current condition. You, birds of a feather flock together. And association brings assimilation. And you can't lay down with dogs and not come up with fleas, okay? So you want us to know where you're at? Where, where, if you're really a boat folk, look at who you're hanging around. Third reason, we should get out of the boat. It's unproductive in the boat. Say unproductive. I, I, some of y'all have, some of y'all haven't. But, but think with me if you haven't been. And for those of you who have, think about being in a small boat with too many people. Bad scenario. That's a bad scenario unless everybody knows exactly what they're doing. And everybody does exactly the right thing. Well, that's not how church goes down. Church is full of flawed people. Church is full of, our, our church is a perfect example. A church of imperfect people learning about and serving a perfect God. Does that sound like that's right to you? That's what it's about. We're, we're all imperfect and we are pursuing a perfect God. But if you've ever been in a little boat with too many people, you know there's no room to move around. 
You know if anyone tries to move around, somebody's going to scream, Hey, hey, why? Sit, sit down, man. You're going to turn it. Sit down. Calm down. You can't be doing jumping jacks in the boat. What is wrong with you, man? You're trying to get us all killed out here. Sit down. Yeah, what are they saying? Be unproductive like the rest of us. Let's just sit here and do nothing. Let's just be bumps on a log. That's what religion is. That's what the average church crowd is. That's what boat folk do. If anybody tries to do something, ah, oh, sit down. Why? Why? Why you want? Why? What? You're already teaching. You're already leading praise and worship. You're already functioning big time in food and clothing ministry, altar ministry, intercessory ministry. Well, don't don't teaching a marriage class. Oh, come on, calm down. You, you're just doing too much. I want to tell you something. There has never been one human being in the history of this planet that did too much for God. I wish I had five people that believed in the truth this morning. Oh, well, she, he, he, he's just so heavenly minded. He's of no earthly good. Let me, let, me, let me hit you with it again. There has never in the history of this world been one single human being outside of the Lord Jesus Christ who was too heavenly minded. That's just not possible. That's boat folk terminology because they're unproductive. They don't want anybody doing anything. They don't want anybody rocking the boat. Why? Because it shows who ain't moving in the boat. It exposes their unproductivity. I want to tell you something. If you don't hear anything else I have to say, here it is. When it comes to our church being like a boat, we, we don't need to worry about uh, being unproductive. We don't need to worry about not rocking the boat. We need to do more. We don't need to just rock the boat. We need to flip the boat up over on its head, crawl out on the water, and get with Jesus. Fourth reason, you ought to get out of the boat because you're rendered helpless in the boat. You have no help. See, I can say stuff. I can say old school church stuff. People been around a long time, still loving the Lord, growing in Christ. They'll say amen. They'll smile. They'll feel it in their feet. If I tell you that, that our God is a battle axe, people, yes, Lord. He is. Well, I wish Brother David was here right now. He, I, yes, Lord. He, he would have said it, wouldn't he, Kyronda? He's in heaven saying it right now. I, I wish he that... Man, I say stuff like, my God is a mind regulator. People, yes, he is. Jesus, if I tell people he's a shelter in a time of storm, he's a strong tower and the righteous run to him and are safe. He, he will cover you under the shadow of his wings and provide you. And, and other people are like, oh, God, how long are we going to be here? Could he shut up? I'm bragging on somebody you're not in love with. You can't. Hey, you can't hear me. Boat folk are rendered helpless in the boat. When the waves come, all you can do is hang on. When the storms of life come for boat folk, all they can do is just try their best to hang on. Because there's no power. Uh, when hanging on's not working, they just go to blaming others. Aha. You got that blaming spirit? It's everybody's fault but yours? I got two words for you. Boat folk. Why are you rendered helpless in the boat? This 2,000 years ago. This thing ain't got no black max on the back of it. They ain't got twin Yamahas on this thing. There ain't no throttle gas that get to the outrun the storm. There is no power on this boat. So you're helpless in a boat full of lazy, guilt-ridden, boring people 
who are being tossed around and banging into each other. Listen, hurting each other. Please stop saying that you're dealing with church hurt. The church is perfect. The church is without spot or blemish. The church is without wrinkle. The church is the bride of Christ or adorned in beauty and ready for the groom. The church ain't never hurt anybody. People in the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He ain't never hurt anybody. People in it. So, so get your terminology right. Instead of saying, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of church hurt from my last church. No, you're dealing with a lot of people hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And unproductive people sitting in the boat on their, on their personal section to hide their guilt. They get bumped into and banged into a lot when the storms come. And people end up getting hurt in the boat because you're helpless in the boat. Fifth reason to get out of the boat. Oh, I love this one. You will too if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Because that's where Jesus is. Jesus ain't in this boat. Jesus is not associating with a bunch of unproductive, guilt-ridden, stuck in their sin, blaming everybody else, holding on for dear life with no power. People. What, 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 what two words I got for that crowd? Boat folk. No, Jesus is out on the water. That's the reason to get out of the boat. Uh, sometimes, listen, sometimes God will send a storm your way just to get you out of the boat. Stop being comfortable in a boat or do nothing. Stop being comfortable in a boat of religion. Stop being comfortable around a bunch of boat folk that are still stuck. Ain't overcome anything. The Bible says if you're truly saved, if you be in Christ, old things have passed away and all things have been. You need to be better than you used to be. You might not be sinless, but, and we're never going to be sinless till we get to heaven because the Scripture says we have this treasure in earth and vessel that we're all a bunch of cracked pots and, and broken jars. But you may, you're never going to be sinless, but you ought to sin less. If you don't sin less since you came to Christ, let me tell you something. You are a boat folk. That's just the bottom line. Jesus is not hanging with that crowd. Uh, and that's why sometimes God will send you a storm just to see if you'll get out of your boat and run to him. If you don't do anything other than this, based on today's message, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. I had a pastor in a pastor's conference one time. It was Dr. Homer G. Lindsey, Jr. at the pastor's conference at the First Baptist Church downtown Jacksonville. Had a week long of great preachers, the best preachers, the biggest name preachers in the world came that week. Dr. Lindsey, in his typical southern humility, stood up and said, boys, he called all, uh, any, any preacher that was learning from me, he called them boys, preacher boys. He said, boys, you heard a lot of great preaching this week. You're going to go back to your church. You're going to change your community. He said, but I want to give you something simple to wrap around all that you've heard. Just teach your people to love Jesus. Everything else will work out. Yeah, we want, we want to keep feeding the hungry. We want to keep clothing the naked. We want to keep visiting widows and orphans and, and, and people in jails and prisons. We want to keep seeing people get saved. We want to be a place for all people. We, we want to continue to be a, a, a Bible-believing church. But you want to know how we're really going to get everything done that God wants us to do? Just fall in love with Jesus. That's the best reason to get out of the boat because that's where Jesus is. I want to ask you this morning in all seriousness, aren't you tired of being normal? 
You really believe that the life you're living is what Jesus Christ died for on the cross? You really believe God sent his son from, from heaven to earth to be born in a manger where there was no room for him, where he was rejected by his very own creation, where they, where they mocked him, spat on him, plucked his beard out, shoved a crown of thorns into his brain? You, you really think that, that God let his son be beaten, stripped naked, bowels hanging out below his groin so the scripture says you couldn't tell if he was a man or a woman you really think Jesus went all through all of that was buried in a borrowed tomb raised himself from the dead by his own power you really think he went through all of that just so we could sit in some dull boring unproductive boat of church and religion you think God put his son through all that so you could live the life you're living right now come on there's more to it than that he gave his best. We're giving him what's left. He gave us everything. We're giving him side dishes. Keep going. Get out of this boat. I'm going to give you five rewards. I'm already over time. Buckle in. Uh, I'm going to give you five rewards. We're going to go. Here's what you will get if you get out of this boat. Stop being a boat folk. Number one thing, you get to be delivered from being normal. <laughs> Woo! I don't be normal uh, I know y'all like well you ain't hallelujah I made my goal y'all y'all if you've been to Disney World as much as I have you've seen those uh those little tombstones here lies brother Fred a great big rock fell on his head here lies Uncle Bender he went to heaven on a fender uh you know they that I here lies Pastor Scott he was alive now he's not. Uh, I, I mean, stuff, they write, uh, write whatever you want. My, my head plate is already next to Gail's on Old Jennings Road at the Holly Hill Cemetery. It says Scott C. Becker, August 6, 1963-. And then there's a plate right there uh, for, for, for the day they're going to put on, on the end of my dash. But I want to tell you something. I heard a preacher preach one time, the dash tells the story. It's that dash between that birth date and that end date that tells the story of your life. I want to tell you this. I'm glad y'all say, well, you sure hit it on. I'm glad my dash will never be normal. I, hey, I'm glad that when you get out of the boat, you get to be delivered from being normal. I don't want that to be my legacy. You say what you want to say about me, uh, but normal Normally, it just ain't what it is. Normally, ain't what I'm looking for. I'm looking for supernatural, divine, Holy Ghost power. I, I'm looking for something from out of this world, not inside this world. This, that's one of the rewards of getting out of the boat. Number two, you get to be persecuted by boat folk. Woo! You get persecution. Yay! Where do I sign up? Do you realize that it was not until the early 1900s when, uh, until the church that had followed closely to the Lord Jesus Christ, the people of God who had followed Jehovah since the creation of Adam and Eve, do you realize it was not until the early days of the 1900s when persecution fell out of favor with the church? See, people used to read what God inspired the Apostle Paul to, to, to write 2,000 years ago. He said, I think it's awesome to be counted worthy to suffer with him. Because if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. So bring it on. Uh, people used to rejoice. Listen, the Puritans, people who used to live. Uh, now, now, I do thank God 
that we got away from. I mean, I, I've been around a lot of holiness people. Y'all know them, hair to the floor, dresses to the floor. I, I don't think, I, I think you can be holy and still, still put some makeup on your women. Amen? Y'all leave that alone, men. That's weird, but listen. Uh, people say, Pastor Scott, uh, do you think women are, you think it's a sin to wear for women to wear makeup? I, I I didn't say this. Pastor Ricky said this. He said, Man, I think it's a sin for some women not to wear makeup. He he said, uh, a, a fresh coat of paint make even an old barn look good. All right. I'm not talking about outward, I'm talking about inward. But people today, nobody wants sacrifice. Nobody wants suffering. Nobody wants persecution. This is the hallmark of our faith. Listen, I believe. I don't preach a lot about health, wealth, and prosperity. I live health, wealth, and prosperity. When my wife died in hospice, we had not even contacted a funeral home. When I asked the lady after Gail died at 8.15 on a Sunday morning, I said, uh, what do I do now? She said, well, you just call your funeral director there. I said, uh, you got one you can recommend? She looked at me like I had 37 heads on my neck. You don't have a... No, we, we, we're standing in faith. Uh, listen, you don't have to live the way I live. I self-insure everything. I'm just trusting God. Uh, medical insurance for who? My God is a healer. You, that's silly, Pastor. Well, for you. Hey, I used to have medical insurance when it was $830 a month. Then, then the glorious Affordable Air uh, Health Care Act kicked in, and... Uh, the, the people who make a, a, a decent amount of money don't get a stipend, don't get a government come along. And my, I was blessed to watch my health care go from $800 a month to $1,851 a month. Isn't that right? $2,300 a month with a $7,500 deductible. Isn't that glorious? You keep paying that. I ain't paying it. Hallelujah. Don't get sick, son. I can't have that. You got. They, people ask me, well, who, 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 do, who do your children, who are your kids' primary care for Jesus? I'm not recommending that for you. I'm just saying I walk in health, wealth, and prosperity. I don't preach because I don't believe that health, wealth, and prosperity are the defining telltale sign of true Christianity. You want to know what's the defining telltale sign of true Christianity? Has been from day one, will be today the final suffering. Woo! Persecution. Woo! Listen, if that don't fire you up, just realize maybe you need a different religion. Allah's calling. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. You do whatever you want to do. Just go sell you some bean pies. Put on a bow tie. Whatever you got to do. But Christianity, God said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, I ain't about that. Oh, so you, you, you're cool with the fact that every hero of the faith had to suffer for faith. You're cool with the fact that people had to die in, in um, the Reformation so we could have a written copy of the Word of God. You're cool with all the martyrs of the faith that went on. You're cool with the fact that Jesus had to suffer for you, but you ain't down for no suffering yourself. I want to tell you something. One of the great things about uh, one of the rewards for getting out of the boat, you get to be persecuted by boat folk. I ain't, hey, nobody likes persecution, but we do it for the glory of God. And listen, when it's coming from boat folk, I can laugh that off. Uh, the, the, the reason why they persecute water walkers is because there's not a lot of us out there. 
it's easy for them to see and they want to tear us down. This is why so many pastors quit ministry. Because as soon as they sink they, and they know all the haters out there are going to pile on. Listen, every time I sing, I call out to Jesus. I told y'all from day one, you're going to have to love me in spite of me. I'm an imperfect man just like you are. And I, 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 I'm in my process just like you are. Don't pedestal nobody but Jesus. Don't put no man or woman up on no pedestal that's not named Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You boat folk. Oh, 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 I thought, I thought you were supposed to be saved. No, I am saved. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be a pastor. No, I am a pastor. Oh, is that how Christian folk live? Shamefully, yes, it is. We fall down and we get up. And God allows us to repent and keep pushing. Boat folk. You make boat folk look so bad they don't like you anymore. Tell you start losing some friends. Well, you're just too holy for me. Hallelujah. Thank you for recognizing I was feeling that myself. I just didn't want to be the one to tell you. <laughs> Until you've had someone badmouth you and gossip on you behind your back, oh, she just wanted them holier than now, believers. No, she's just wanted them holier than you, believers. Boat folk, they're going to persecute you, man, but it's glorious because you can laugh that off. You just think in your mind, boat folk. There's another word for boat folk. I use it a lot. Haters. They're all out there. They're going to talk about you. Oh, she'll never. It's, that's not going to work. She's not going to make it. Oh, she just gave a testimony. They've, they've upped their giving. Now they're paying tithe and giving a free will offering. That's never going to work for them. Why? Because they're following Scripture? Because your life's falling apart because you won't? Hater. Boat folk. Third reward for getting out of the boat. You get to leave the dull, boring, guilt-ridden, unproductive, helpless boat and the carnal boat folk behind. How about that for a point? You get to leave that dull, boring, guilt-ridden, unproductive, helpless boat and the carnal. Loose me, dragging me down in, in your boat with no power. You got no motor where you're going. I'm hooking up to something with a motor. I'm hooking up to something with some power in it. But listen, I understand if you've been in the boat for a long time, it's not always easy to leave. Now, when I got saved, I never had to ask my pastor, well, what am I going to do with all my friends? My sister be my witness. The only friends that, that I had were, were drug addicts, drug dealers, uh, dropouts, criminals, alcoholics, people. That, we didn't have no churchy friends. We wasn't go breaking the door on a church. What, why in the world? We're out there living in the real world. Listen, I told, I told a dude one time, some dude came to church. He told me, you don't know me, dog. I'm a real gangster. Little white dude, 17 years old. Came to see one of our girls. He, he stepped at me in the youth building. I stood up. I said, now listen, let me tell you something. I ain't always been safe. And we can all get ignorant. And you're looking at 225 pounds of issues and rage right here. And you, you a real gangster? Let me tell you, let me tell you, when I was your age, I was unsaved and I was living in the real world. I was in jail when I was your age. I wasn't, I wasn't coming to church acting all churchy trying to get with girls. I was downtown Jacksonville at Howard's strip joint with shipbuilders at the shipyards. You want to get gangster, let's go. Christ. 
crazy, carnal, guilt-ridden, unproductive, helpless boat folk. I didn't ever have to tell my pastor, uh, well, I don't know what to do with all my friends. What are all my friends going to think? I don't, I don't, how am I going to tell my friends I can't come to the club no more? How am I going to tell my friends I, I can't go to the parties anymore? I never had to make that speech. God, God is my witness. When I, got, when I got saved, me and my sister were drinking gallons of moonshine. I had one, a trunk in Florida is not the best place to carry liquor, but if, you, hey, if you're just drinking it because liquor's quicker, we had gallon jugs of whole grain alcohol in our trunks. This, 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 we, we didn't have churchy friends hanging out with us, but guess what? I never had to tell one of them, I can't hang out with you anymore because I'm safe now. I was so on fire for God, I was just oozing Jesus everywhere I went. I didn't have to tell them I couldn't hang out with them anymore. Why? Because they dipped on me. You, man, you get out of the boat, you, you're going to get to leave them people behind, and it's not going to be hard to shed them because they're going to realize they don't fit where you are going. Fourth reason, to get out of the boat, you get to fail. Yay! Doesn't that sound exciting? Listen, the Bible says... God's ways are not man's ways. This don't sound like woo-hoo right off the top, but let me tell you something. You're going to fail either way. You're going to fail in the boat or out of the boat. You may as well fail out of the boat. Get rid of all them crazy people you're hanging around. Get out on the water and fail. And, and people are going to say, I knew it. I knew it. I've been watching him. I never really thought he should have been pastoring our church to begin with. Deacon. What kind of deacon? I, I, oh, pfft, elder, oh, please, I, I know. Listen, stop letting people curse you because they say they know you. Just start letting them know, no, you knew me. I'm changing. I'm on a new roll right now. I repented today. You get to fail. Bad, that, that, that sounds like bad news, but the reality is everybody fails. You're going to fail one way or the other. Life is full of pain, but you get to choose the kind of pain your life is full of. Your life is full of pain. You, you can live an ungodly, boat folk life, and your life be full of pain, and you die and go to hell. Or you can live a water-walking life, and your life's still going to be full of pain, the pain of discipline, the pain of holiness, the, the pain of being in your prayer closet, the pain of giving money to the Lord, the pain of doing all that God has called you to do. But that kind of pain brings rewards. That other kind of pain just brings hell. So you choose what you want to do. Fifth, last reward, we get out of here. You get to walk on water with the Lord. You get to walk on the water. See, some of y'all have not got enough of that boat out of y'all. Some of y'all hadn't got out of the boat and away from the boat, folks. Some of y'all still in that unproductive, guilt-ridden, religious mindset. You need to get to the place where you can truly say what the hymn writer of old said and real saints can still agree to. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. See, that's real. If it ain't real for you, you're too deep in the boat. If that ain't real for you, you need to get to the place where you can hear his voice. And listen, you want to get close? You want to you hear his voice? You got to get close to him. You got to get side by side. You got to let him carry you. Hey, it don't matter if you sink in the water. He's there to pick you up. He's carrying you. He, he, when, when you fail on the water, the Lord picks you up. When you fail in the boat, them boat folk kick you in the neck. Man, you get to experience life on a new level, a supernatural level. I, can't, I declare to you in closing today, I want a supernatural religion. 
I don't want normal. I want a real experience with a real God that changes me to the place where everybody knows that is a water-walking cat right there. That is a supernatural, Holy Ghost-filled God chaser right there. Listen, if you can explain everything about your life, God ain't in it. God will do stuff and make you shake your own head. God will put you in some positions, make you scratch your own head. Man, David, with the big, big, big example of, of, of a God chaser we have in the Old Testament, David would look up at God and say, how long? He didn't understand everything that was going out, going on. Saints in the New Testament didn't understand everything that was going on. Reformers didn't understand everything that was going on. The martyrs of the Lord's church didn't understand everything that was going on. Saints today don't understand everything that's going on. And that's why I tell you all the time, when you can't figure it out, faith it out. This, this is the life of a water walker. This is supernatural living. See, Jesus is out there on the water waiting for you. The question is, will you come to him? Or you just want to status quo? You're just comfortable. You got your robe picked out around the same type of same carnal people that you are, same issues that you got. Nobody's challenging anybody to go higher. Nobody's encouraging anybody toward holiness. Nobody, nobody's engaging in prayer and soul winning. You don't have to have the same personality as everybody else. You might not get it as outwardly as excited as other people do, but you need to have a fire burning in you. You need to have a fire burning in you. There needs to be a change. You get out of the boat, you get to walk with the Lord. I want to encourage you today, be different. Become different. Be more different than you've been. Strip off that chair you've been sitting in in the boat and get out on the water. Press toward Jesus. I'm not going to extend this service with some long altar call, emotionalize you down to the front, make you pray a commitment that you won't mean. But if you're ready to say it's enough's enough and I've had too much, I've been, I, I, I've been slipping and dipping too long, and I'm ready to get where Jesus is and be in this thing for real, I want to encourage you, repent. It just means a change of mind that results in a change of direction. Change your mind about what's right and wrong and start doing more of what's right and less of what's wrong. Don't worry about the wind. Don't worry about the storm. Don't worry about the haters. Don't worry about the boat folk. Don't worry about what people will say about you. God can handle all that. He can handle the storm. He created everything there is in six days. He can fix you. Be a savior seeker, not a wind worrier. Well, if I really start trusting God with my money, if I really start getting more involved in church, I just don't know. If, if I, what, what, if, what, if I, what if I set a quiet time in the morning and I fail? You will. Get back up. Get back up. Peter failed. Peter sunk down. Just do what he did and you can have what he had. When he was sinking, he cried out, Lord, save me. And there was Jesus. He promised, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter did that, and he got that. Some of you here have been sitting in the boat too long. God wants to use you. Time for you to get up. Time for you to get to serving God. Time for you to get serious. 
Time for you to put his way in front of your way. Time for you to set aside the boat, the lack of production, the carnality, the haters, the guilt, the shame and stain, and get out on the water. God wants to use you. He wants to do something awesome in your life. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat of just showing up and doing nothing. And get out there on the water and seek the Savior. And do something miraculous through His power. His power lives in us as believers. To empower us to do things. To be His hands and feet to reach the world for Him. I've heard so many people say, oh, I used to hear it all the time. Uh, people say, oh, Pastor Scott, just think, just think what, what God could do if, if, if somebody like Michael Jackson got saved, the influence that somebody like that could have. Oh, my goodness. What, what, if, what if so-and-so got saved? What, what, what if you just let God shine in you? God, God's not going to pick famous power. He said not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise have he called. He chose the lesser things. He chose people like us. People that were willing to admit, I can't do this on my own and I need a Savior. He wants to put his power in you so when he does something through you, they'll say, that had to be God because she couldn't have done that. That had to be the Lord because he's not that smart. And you just give the glory to God when it happens. Some of you not even in the boat. Some of you, you've already decided in your mind, I ain't in no boat, I ain't on no water, I ain't with this God thing one bit. I want to tell you something. God can save you. He can give you a love and a joy that you've never known. The Bible says that being in God's kingdom is not about rules and regulations. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want you to let God save you. Let go of your anger, let go of your bitterness, let go of your pride. Let go of your religion. You say, well, I've tried to be saved, Pastor. I've walked aisles, prayed prayers. I get that. I did that a bunch when I was young. Been baptized more than once, never took until uh, the last time. Why? Because God said that you will search for me, but you'll only find me when you search with your whole heart. If you're not saved, call out to Jesus. Ask God to save you, and he'll do it. If you are saved, stop wondering if you're out on the water or if you're in the boat. Let me, let me just go ahead and tell you. At some level and in many levels, we're all in the boat. Eleven of those twelve were in the boat. Only Peter got out there. Dare to be that child that the Father is well pleased with. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for coming to us, walking on water as a miracle working God. Thank you, God, for calling us out of the boat to get on the water with you. Hold our hand and carry us. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. For those who are unsaved, God, I pray that you would save them. For those who are saved, Lord, I pray that you would increase our desire to know you more, to follow you more closely, to love you more deeply. Show us in a real way the height, the depth, the breadth and the length of your love for us so that we can be and do all that you called us to be and do. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you for giving us your spirit to live inside us. Help us, God, 
to put you first. Help us, God, to choose your way over our way because your way is best. This is our confession. This is our agreement in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.